And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at the University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. All right, guys. Welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kami Amaravian, joined with my co-host, Jack Shields. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Podcast, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Pretty much anywhere you guys can get a podcast, really anywhere but SoundCloud. So give us a five-star review because, I mean, like, we're at 90, so we might as well get to 100. Unless you like SoundCloud, in which case, then don't give us a review, I guess. But you should still give us a review. On, Absolutely. Yeah, you should. And I forgot to mention this the other day, um, but the last podcast we released was episode 50. So now we're on 51? Now we're on 51. Cool. Halfway to 100. But only 10 away from 100 reviews. Only 18 away from... The nicest one of them nicest all. Nicest of all, yeah. yeah. But anyways, uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Talking about transfer portals, recruiting, a little bit for National Signing Day 2. Got some stuff about the new coach, Jamar Kane, basketball, and a lot of other things. Uh, and of course, some start one, bench one, and cut one. But anyways, how's your week so far? Pretty great. I mean, it started out with my team winning the Super Bowl for the first time in my life, so I really can't complain about anything at all right now. Plus, I made my chili, and I finished second in the competition out of like 12 chilies. Who finished first? Uh, Someone who made a tamale chili, which was a good idea. Tamale chili? Yep. Pretty good. It was delicious. Mine was a Guinness chili. Did any of the other chilies have beans? Yeah, yeah, some other ones did. Did the winner have beans? No. Okay, well, dang. Yeah, see, there you go. But yeah. No beans reign supreme. And I won a gift card to Swadley's for that, so. No, fantastic. Swadley's barbecue is fantastic. That's one of the better barbecue chains you'll see. And And they're not a sponsor. They're just good. Yeah, I went to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl, and, uh. It was pretty crazy. I would imagine. There's a lot of interesting people and things to do. Oh, of course. Uh, and then, of course, the the betting lines were just outrageous. And then the game in general, because we stayed in, uh, we we watched the game at Mandalay Bay because my family go, they frequent to Vegas often, so you get a lot of things reserved. So we had, like, front row seats for the game. Nice. Like, across all the big screens. And... Um, it was a, it was, I mean, it was a good game. I mean, the Chiefs were down by ten Did with like you, seven minutes uh, left. Put money on the over under. I put money on the, I believe I put money on the over. Yeah, exactly. Like it, the over was like over under was like fifty four, right? Yeah, yeah, and it ended up being fifty one. So it was so. Close. I I would have put money on the over too, but I bet Vegas made some money on. That yeah, a lot of people. But I know, I know several people that took the under too. So this is the Chiefs were down by ten with like seven minutes, and then you end up winning by eleven. Pretty neat. It's like, how does that even work? Outscored 21 that thing. But then again, like... Noted OU hero and undebatable former OU football player. Yeah, God. Yeah, we could talk about that later. It's just like... Got snubbed for MVP. Kyle Shanahan. People started to draw parallels between Atlanta being up 28-3 to and just killing that game. It was basically the exact opposite. I mean, he was... uh, he got too conservative during the Atlanta Super Bowl thing. Yeah. And then he wasn't conservative enough in this past game. Like, they were gashing the Chiefs on the ground and then stopped running it inexplicably. 
because he didn't want to be accused of being conservative. Yeah, yeah. And then Patrick Mahomes and then everything else. It just really worked out really well. I mean, for the entire guys. He was clutch. I mean, he was horrible for three quarters, but ended up. I thought San Francisco's defensive line would kill him, and they did early and often. Yeah, he rarely had time to throw. Still worked out. Still worked out. Go Chiefs, baby. But anyways, transfer portal, it does giveth and it does taketh. So two more defensive players gone to the transfer portal for the Oklahoma Sooners, both linebackers, and Ryan Jones, who is likely headed to South Carolina. He's a North Carolina kid, so going back to the East Coast should be uh, relatively easy for him. And I think it'll be a fit, too. Think? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think... And because he's an athletic kid, Levi I mean, Draper is going to Arkansas. So, like, yeah. I think like these two linebackers, where they're asked to do so much in the Big Twelve over the mill, and then going to the SEC, where that's not necessarily the case, is going to be unless you're playing LSU or Ole Miss, essentially, and then LSU, or well, now Mississippi State. Yeah, at Mississippi State, Ole Miss, maybe Bama these days, um, but LSU. I mean, like, we'll see what their offense looks like. That literally everybody left except Ed. You know. Um, so yeah, Ryan Jones, Levi Draper, both to the SEC, uh, Oklahoma does get a transfer, another transfer wide receiver and Obi Obiallo. Uh, he's from Marshall. He is from Capel, Texas. He had offers. I want to say from San Diego state and rice. I can't remember the second offer. And instead he walks on at OSU and then ends up transferring to Marshall has an okay sophomore season, his junior season, he's got over 40 catches, over 500 yards. His 2019 season, he ends up basically sitting out all of it except the four games, the red shirt, so he the can final transfer. Four games. Yep. And uh, you know he's six foot three, 214 pounds. Guy's big, and like we you said before the podcast, and I thought about the same thing too. Is like he's gonna replace Lee Morris essentially. Yeah, I mean he's six three, two fifteen. He'll probably pack on a little bit of weight in the off season, you would think, and probably play that that same role. The uh, what is it, the H receiver? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, and and it it makes the open of the field a little bit better, and he is a seemingly a decent blocker. And Theo Howard, uh, of course, he injured his Achilles. He said on Twitter he would be back, he'd be ready for the season, but like when you injure your Achilles, that's usually not ever the case. Of or course, usually, and, it, and from what you're hearing, that isn't really set in stone, him being back in time. Yeah, we don't even, nobody even knows. Um, I asked somebody about it, and they said he's going to be having surgery this weekend. So you'll find out really, and we will all find out really, Sunday, Monday, about his availability going forward, because... Don't know about the severity of it. Don't know about the recovery. If it's a legitimate Achilles tear, then he's he's out. And uh, but that that's it. So I mean, here's where we stand though with the offense because of course you expect defensive transfers. Alex Grinch is telling guys you're not going to start here. You're not going to play here. Go somewhere you're going to get playing time, which is the best thing to do for a coach. People want act sometimes want to act like oh well they're they're driving kids off and yada yada. Uh, but no, like these coaches are doing a dis- they'd be doing a disservice to these players if they said, yeah, just stick around for a while, stick around. Cause Best we need- not to string we- them along. We need bodies, you know. Uh, instead, they said, you know, you need to go someplace where you can play, maybe get to the next level, and get more looks. It also helps open up scholarships as well and transfer portals. But it's just a matter of not keeping guys around. Like, how did PJ and Bannister stay on campus for that long? 
how did Dakota Austin stay on campus for that long? He actually started, and we found out quite quickly, like, for some reason, I don't, I don't know why Tackling the wrong people. Yeah, we found out quite quickly he doesn't deserve to be on the depth chart. So it's guys like him uh, that you really need to process these kids. And Oklahoma, uh, under the previous regime, they just really didn't really do that, especially on defense. And uh, they actually had some of the bodies. So anyways, looking at the offense, typically... For a quarterback and his receivers, you want one of two things. You want that quarterback to be very experienced if the wide receivers are young, or the flip-flop, you want, if your quarterback is young, you want your wide receivers to be experienced. And um, Oklahoma's not really getting that at all. I mean, like, your most experienced guys the, that at the wide receiver position is going to be Rambo, Carlson Rambo, yeah. Drake Stoops. And Drake doesn't even have a ton of big game experience. He does a little bit yeah. from last year, but yeah, and then, like you had Jaden Hazelwood who actually played and uh, is not redshirted. Yeah, and then Trajan, Trajan Bridges is not even going to see the first half of the season. And Theo Weiss, he play, he has some playing experience, yeah. but again, came up big against Baylor, obviously, but then he disappeared. You sh- you just got to wonder about it. And I know people are saying, well, it, and it's a big deal that it's a good thing Spencer Rattler's not a true freshman. He came in. During the summer, and if you had to come in during the spring, like we talked about Jaylen before, Jalen Hurts probably didn't even, probably doesn't even come happens. along. Yeah, so he comes in during the summer. He's got a full year under his belt, and uh, really time to look at and study with Lincoln Riley. Do you think that time, that extra year, as a redshirt freshman, and for Jaden Hazelwood as a sophomore, you have Stogner coming back, who I think is a sophomore. I don't think he redshirt. Um, and then, of course, you got a Charleston Rambo who's seen several games. Um, and you have a very experienced offensive line that could actually probably help a lot. And you have very experienced running backs in Trey Sermon, Kennedy Brooks, TJ Pledger, etc. Um, and even Jeremiah Hall. Like, everybody is experienced, really, except the quarterback and kind of the receivers. Um, is there an issue there? Do you think there could be an issue there? Oh, as far as skill is concerned, no. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's undeniable that, I mean, that's going to be, I think by mid-season you're going to see a polished receiving core, but at the very beginning, you know, you're going to face Tennessee, who, you know, not great. They ended the year well, but they were playing cupcakes towards the end of the year in the SEC East. Yeah, and it's Norman. Do you yeah, think, it's do you think Oklahoma's going to stripe the stadium like they did last time? I bet they do a whiteout for Tennessee. That'd be fun. That was a good I think time. So. I, yeah. it was a, that it was, was way better aesthetically than the It was a night game, is. and it was very, it was very fun. Also, I'm, it was, I'm it a was, fan of that. It was hot as balls, so the white was nice. Yeah, it, yeah exactly. <laughs> and we don't quite have the stadium where it would work for a checkerboard pattern yeah. like Tennessee did when yep. Oklahoma came there, which looked really, it was cool, really cool, especially yeah. in person. But... um. You know, I there could be some growing pains towards the beginning, but at the same time, whenever Jaden Hazelwood and Theo Weiss were given opportunities, especially they rose the, to the occasion. Yeah, especially each during time. the Baylor game, right? Yeah, of course. And you know, uh, Hazelwood got his opportunities early in the year, and uh, seemed to be physically mature enough to get it done, and didn't really make any big mistakes. I guess there was that fumble in the uh, South Dakota State game. Yeah. Haz- Hazelwood is that was about it, though. Hazelwood. I mean, Hazelwood made a couple mistakes, especially with the Iowa State game. He's the most physically impressive receiver we've ever seen at OU. Yeah, especially in his freshman year. And that includes, like, Malcolm Kelly. I mean, he's he's a different dude. And so, like, I think he's more talented than Malcolm Kelly. 
I think he has the opportunity to be another C.D. Lamb. Yeah. He's, oh, absolutely. He's bigger. Uh, and he's going to be. I mean, Lamb had to play in an offense last year with Jalen Hurts as the quarterback, God. and an offense that wasn't completely open. Hazelwood's going to have the next two years with Spencer Rattler. Yep. And it's going to be kind of fun to watch. Yeah, it'll be it'll be impressive, and then we'll, I think you'll actually get to see Charleston Rambo get the ball. I think you'll see whoever running, who's ever running over the middle, get the ball because that was not a thing last. I mean, year. you're going to be able to fully take advantage of uh, Charleston Rambo's deep ability as well. So, which obviously wasn't the case a year ago. Yeah, it's very very exciting, and I think if this was just true freshman Spencer Rattler along with true freshman. You know Hazelwood, Weiss, etc. Then you might have some pretty big issues, but I think him as a redshirt freshman, along with all the guys returning on the offensive line and the defensive backfield, having Lincoln Riley there, and then having definitely a few experienced guys at wide receiver, along with the five stars. I think that's going to go a long way for them. But um, you know, it's we just passed National Signing Day too. And this is basically the the dead time of football, and you're gonna see a lot. You saw a lot of offers go out this week to 2021 kids and 2022 kids, and really, you're not gonna find out a lot much else until the spring game, and then after the spring game, it's gonna be again. It's like, well, what what what? Whose bodies are changing? What positions are they trying people out at? So, man, it's spring game is actually not that far off. No, it's not. I wonder who the Entertainment will be this time. Travis Tritt was that Travis Tritt that was the last one? <laughs> Who did the honky tonk with donk? That was um, Trace Adkins. Oh, but yeah, it was the, Trace Adkins. The game with the T. Yeah, and then it was uh, who was it even last year? Oh, Some, Adkins was. Oh yeah, it was Trace Adkins was Lee two Bryce. years ago. Lee Bryce. Lee man. Bryce. That's the, it. The Georgia fan or the Clemson. Clemson fan. He played fan. at Clemson. Uh, yeah, Clemson. He like walked on to Clemson or something like that. Yeah, if that, that, and you can obviously tell it's more for the fans than it is yeah. for the players. It's for a certain you know section of the fan base. <laughs> yeah, for most of the fan base. But talking about the national signing day too, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go too deep into this because Alan Kenny just had a podcast about this with I think it was Josh. Josh right? McQuistion from uh, Sooner Scoop. And really good actually, stuff. They actually dropped that today, so I'm not gonna go too deep into it and what it means, but. Uh, Oklahoma only signed really. I mean, they're they're signing that wasn't official because they had Joshua Eaton signed, but he was already committed and in the bag. And then uh, Reggie Grimes also signs officially. It was or officially announced as a signing. Yeah, officially announced because there, there's already, a reason that uh, for the past month we've been saying do not worry about Reggie Grimes. Was there was signed. concrete reasoning for that. So. Pretty much everybody was already signed, even yes. Chandler Morris. There was no reason to worry about it. I didn't even have any pre-rights for signing day this no. time. That's how uneventful it was. Yeah, I mean, like Reggie Grimes. There's there are a there are two very different opinions on Reggie Grimes. There's the opinion that because he's he's six foot four, two forty. He in some aspects of his film is an outside linebacker. You could definitely see him with his hand in the dirt. If he puts on another 20, 30 pounds, you could see him being inside. Uh, There's a little bit of Jalen Redmond there yeah. in that respect. But some people will say he's very Ricky DeBerry-ish, where he doesn't fit anywhere on this team. So uh, what do you th- what do you think about that? 
Well, that last thing you just said obviously raises some red flags, but at the same time, you could look at the other side of the coin and say, hey, maybe you can mold him into one of these positions, sort of like you're doing with Jalen Redmond. So. I but, I mean, physically speaking, I mean, he's obviously an intriguing guy. He's just not necessarily a home run at yeah. this point in the proceedings. And I don't, I don't, I don't see him as, an, as a rush end or a rush backer because if he's just coming into the program as a freshman at 6'4", 240, uh, and you're probably going to bulk him up to 255, maybe. That spells defensive I mean, end right there. He's not going to be a rush backer. But at the same time, there are rumblings of Oklahoma looking at David Aguebu as a rush end and making him play inside because they're not completely sold on Caleb Kelly inside. Does that... That's throw interesting. Any, yeah, that's throwing any red flags your way? Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's an awful lot of uncertainty at linebackers. That That's what it says. I mean, I mean, who's going to play inside other than Deshaun White? Obviously, Deshaun White's a known commodity, yeah. and he was solid last it's year. Deshaun and somebody. Deshaun and somebody. I mean, if it's between Caleb Kelly, who... I mean, he, he did okay yeah. when he came back. I mean, when he I'm, came back, they put him in in very important positions. Of course, yeah. And then, but I mean... Brian Asamoah. Asamoah did well early in the year and then sort of fell off after that, yeah. but... Uh, they stopped playing him. David Aguebu in the middle, I, I don't... Yeah, he's never played that position either. That's, I, does I don't, that sound familiar that a physical freak has not played inside linebacker and they put him there for the first time ever? But it turned out really well that time. Well, eventually it turned out well. It like, did not turn out well for the first two years necessarily. He but didn't get good coaching for the first. He did not. Few that's years. true. So we'll see. Yeah. So I mean, I think Reggie Grimes. I think he'll be good. Uh, I don't think he's a Ricky DeBerry. I think there's a lot of guys in the defensive line coming up that are going to be very good for Oklahoma. It's just a matter of time. Those guys are still sophomores and freshmen, and uh, I guess will now be redshirt sophomores and redshirt freshmen and true freshmen. So I think it'll be okay. And then the Sooners today got a, a, a preferred walk-on. I keep on calling them a professional walk-on. There's only one professional walk-on, and that's Baker Mayfield. That's correct. Uh, but preferred walk-on, Zach Schmidt from Bishop McGinnis. Woo woo. Uh, on any really recruiting service, which is pretty normal, he's labeled a two-star as a kicker, duh. Not many kickers that are yeah. above two or three stars. That's correct. And, you know, according to Cole's Kicking, who only looks at long snappers, they look at punters, they look at kickers, He's labeled as a five-star, but there are like 18 kickers. They rate as a five-star kicker. So but you basically, if you're labeled as such, you're labeled as someone who could start for a Power 5 school, essentially. Yeah. So he, this is a quality kid. This is a guy who, you know, two, three years from now, after Gabe Burkich is gone, will have two seasons of eligibility to theoretically be the kicker yeah. for the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, and so I think in... I don't think he's on scholarship, from what I understand. So they're getting a legitimate kicker, yeah. um, without a scholarship for and, now. And that's not weird either. I mean, that's that's fairly normal. I mean, I think I think he'll get a scholarship eventually. Uh, just like Brian Mead, I think gets a, got a scholarship. But um, yeah, Zach Schmidt, Zach Schmidt. But really, a whole lot of nothing. National Signing Day two. Oklahoma had a battle with Alfred Collins, but that thing was that was done long weeks ago. Gone. That thing yeah. was long gone. So. Oklahoma really just pinning their ears back as far as what they have right now. And uh, it's good to have Perry and Winfrey. It's good to have Josh Ellison on campus. It really sucks that the third Juco kid and Justin Harrington could not make it early. Um, and you, if he doesn't appear at the beginning of summer, 
I think it might be time to maybe panic. Oh, of course, yeah. With JUCO kids, yeah, of course. Yeah. When when it comes to if once uncertainty enters the picture with academics, yeah. it becomes a massive concern. So he'll have to finish whatever he does, but he says he's going to be cool. He says he'll make it, but of course, that's always in the back of your mind. Now, Oklahoma finishes recruiting in their class. And now, as far as 247, they're 11th. As far as rivals, they're 15th. And then I think you said ESPN, which is kind of defunct now. Yeah, really. they, they, don't, they don't put the same resources in recruiting anymore. All. Yeah, I think you said as far as ESPN is concerned, they're 8th. I think they were 8th at the beginning of yesterday. Oh, I think okay. some... Maybe Other, they might be I think they're probably like ninth or 10th now. And Oklahoma only signed, I believe, 23 kids to the scholarship, which is a very low amount. And we've been saying this for a while, that Oklahoma's scholarship count was going to be relatively light uh, since the beginning of the season with the amount of guys that they had that were young. You know, So um, finishing 11th doesn't isn't as underwhelming as it seems, essentially, because of the numbers. What about rivals? If, if I'm an average fan and... I see 15th, you're you're finishing on the opposite side of 12, and that's like Bob Stoops' classes yeah, essentially. Before, before Lincoln Riley got there. Am I, if I'm an average fan, should I panic or freak out? I think no because of how well OU filled needs in this class. Yeah. I think because of that, it's I, there's not much reason to panic. Yeah, I think I think it was, it's not a sexy class. There's no like... Mason, Mason, twisting my tongue here, but... They filled needs really well defensively, and they brought in five blue-chip offensive linemen. They finally got their quarterback in a class where it was going to be difficult to get a blue-chip quarterback. They did get a blue-chip quarterback. At the very end, too. Yeah. The one glaring thing here is not bringing in more than one running back, I would say. And that coach is now at Texas. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) And not necessarily by his own doing but anyway the one running back they did get very impressive seth mm-hmm. mcgowan mm-hmm. but uh receiver also i mean wasn't necessarily one where things jumped out mims is going to be good i think he's yeah. a future star mm-hmm. in the slot he but, wrote the record books rewrote the record books in texas high school but other than that i mean i maybe these other guys uh let's see uh, Trevon West and Brian Darby, on paper they look kind of like space fillers right yeah. now. But who knows? I'm curious to see what happens with those kids. Both of them can run, so yeah. we'll see. Yeah, and and honestly, yeah, like you said, like you know, they filled a lot of needs, and that's what Oklahoma really wanted to do. And of course, they missed out on a couple guys. Of course, Alfred Collins. Yeah, if you look at this class a year ago, Dante Manning, Ryan Watts, it, it's it's a little depressing. I mean, yeah. Drew Sanders, yeah. obviously. Oh, who, yeah. There was that whole thing with Alabama. God. And, and then you had some defensive backs who didn't really fit the new system, so they were sort of told to walk, which so, uh, Darian Green Warren and Jalen Huff. So It was definitely interesting, uh, but Oklahoma only gets 23 kids, and there's not, there's like, there's not a lot of like dynamic playmakers. But dudes that definitely they needed and bodies that they definitely needed to fill that out. And, you know, who were some of the guys that you expect to have the biggest impact from this class on offense and defense? Early, uh, you obviously you avoid offensive line when you're talking about early contributors, yeah. especially so they, with what they're going to have next Bo. year. So um, Now that Pittman's a head coach uh, out of Arkansas, looks like Bill Beatonbow is like the unquestioned 
best offensive line coach in the country. Of course. And then I would say defensively for immediate impact, hard not to go with Perry and Winfrey right now. He's pretty important, huh? Pretty important considering how much you lose. Mm -hmm. And offensively, Mikey Henderson is someone who I think is going to challenge for playing time, even though you're bringing back Jeremiah Hall. Yep. Hall was good last year. He wasn't incredible. He's not Dimitri Flowers. He's not Trey Millard. But maybe Mikey Henderson can be. Yeah. But granted, he's not necessarily going to start this year, Mm -hmm. although he could see some time. Yeah. Offensively, let's see here. As far as immediate impact is concerned... There aren't really too many, so I, I guess I will go with Henderson just by default. Yep. And on defense, I'm going to go with Bryson Washington. Um, For he, immediate impact? Yeah, immediate impact and just impact in one. general because I know Grinch really likes him. They like him a lot, and he's going to be really playing He'll because now we got Woody Washington and Bryson Washington. It can get a little confusing. Um, but Two very different body types, though, yes, so that will help. I'm pretty certain they're going to – let Bryson Washington loose at the nickel, and they're going to have him compete along with Trey Norwood, along with Buki, and a lot of there's a lot of competition going to go on in the spring and the summer. So that'll be interesting. Iron sharpens iron, so that's going to be nice. And Woody Washington too, and the nickels like there's a lot of guys that can they can throw a lot of bodies in a lot of places. But Bryson Washington 100% on defense, um, and then I like Mikey Anderson too on offense because here's the deal. He's not a bowling ball that Jeremiah Hall is, and he's not a stiff kind of long athlete that, um, oh my gosh, who's the other H-back tight end? Bryce, oh, no. Braden Willis? Braden Willis, then it would be. Uh, he's not the, st- Braden Willis kind of stiff, yeah. um, and Mike Henderson is. And Braden Willis has been getting some time at the H receiver as yeah, well. Yeah, so. And. He legitimately reminds me of Dimitri Flowers, except Mike Anderson is a little more slender. Uh, he'll bulk up a little bit more. He's more athletic than Dimitri Flowers is. He played a lot of. He played several positions at his high school. He played quarterback, running back, fullback. He did a lot of things at his high school, and he's like a very, very agile, athletic fullback that will maybe make you think of. Trey Millard, Dimitri Flowers, but more dynamic of an athlete, which is going to be amazing for Lincoln Riley. So I think I'd be surprised if Mike Anderson didn't get maybe his four games in. Um, it was especially with Braden Willis working at the H. Um, and then you you know, you know have Jeremiah Hall back there too, who scored the first touchdown of last year, which nobody was expecting because I didn't even think he'd start. So yeah, I think that's what I'm going with. But who's an underrated player that you think is going to be all conference as a senior? Let's see. I think linebacker uh, Shane Witter. I think he's someone Alex who Grinch in the middle. Likes him a yeah, lot. he's someone who, if he's two inches taller, he's a blue chip recruit. Yeah, I think he's like what six foot. Six he's one? like six, listed as six feet tall. Yeah, but he's someone who has a really good nose for the ball and someone who's fairly athletic, moves pretty well, and can do okay in coverage. Do well enough in coverage at least. So, and they had a someone chance. who's probably going to record a lot of tackles. Yeah, they they, they had a chance to go get. Edron Cooper again, just to reaffirm that relationship. Uh-huh. And you know, Coach Odom and Coach Grinch, they they looked at Witter and liked his stuff a lot more. 
uh, they thought... And that says a lot because Cooper's a very highly thought of guy. he ended up being a four-star and committing to A&M. It's funny how he was a three-star at OU and then he goes to A&M as not a four-star. Weird how that works. It's weird how that works a lot. And, um, yeah, and Odom and Grinch really liked Witter and what they could do with him. He's very instinctual with the ball. And, you know, we'll see what happens. For me, I've got Devon Graham. Um, he's an athlete for this class, but they said they were going to try him out as a defensive back as a freshman. He's six foot one, one seventy five. I think he's going to be very good. He fits that bill as far as what Grinch wants. And really, they got. They, you look at the defensive backs. In Bryson Washington, you've got Josh Eaton. You've got you know Devon Graham. You got very long athletes. Uh, that are over six feet, six one, six two, one seventy five, one eighty, guys that are big, guys that are long. So they may not be in your hip pocket like a cover corner, like a Parno Motley or an Aaron Colvin was, uh, but they're gonna be in. I'm not saying that they won't be, but I'm saying that they may not be. But they're gonna be long enough to make plays to where they are gonna jam you at the line and have enough length to do so. Which Trey Brown can't really do that because he has a lack of length and nobody's averse to that. We're all aware that Trey Brown's only about five nine, and um, so being able to jam people at the line, but also being big enough to come up and run support. In which Trey Norwood bulked up considerably after tearing his ACL. So I'm curious to see what that looks like. But just guys that are long athletes, and so I'm really excited about what Devon Graham is gonna bring to the table. Um, even as a sophomore, but who would you go offensively for all this? Oh man, I think I'd go Andrew Rame. Andrew, dude, Andrew Rame. I really, really, really hate how rivals and two four seven treated this entire offensive line class. Andrew Rame deserved to be a five star kid, hands down. He's a future high draft pick if he stays yeah. healthy. I mean, there's they signed with what four, five offensive linemen, five offensive linemen, and all of them are four star and above. And a couple of them deserve to be five star kids. That Andrew was working at guard, he was working at center, and he was working really well at center in the All Star games. And it's just like, how how do you miss on that? If Andrew Rame commits to Alabama, he's a five star kid. And I'm not and I'm not saying like, well, the the rating systems really have it out for OU, but I'm saying like, you Andrew Rame commits to Georgia, like he was thinking about. Because he committed, then decommitted, and was flirting with Georgia. And if he goes to Georgia, he's a five-star kid. And But he's a four-star kid. And I just think they missed, they completely missed the ball on that. And I think Andrew Ramey is a, is a fantastic uh, one to add there. Uh, offensively, you know what? Give me Jalen Conyers. There, yeah, This man in his basketball games, because I know a lot of players and a lot of coaches, because all these guys, a lot of them are dual-sport athletes. If they're not playing... If they're not okay, not playing. If they're not training at track in the off season, they're playing basketball. And if they're not doing that, they're doing all three. You know, Jalen Conyers and a lot of coaches will go to football players' basketball games just to watch them uh, be athletes. And Jalen Conyers for his t- for his high school basketball team, like in warmups, is getting up windmill dunking it and like spike dunking the ball. He's getting up, and you're like, okay, this guy's like. He is special, special as far as an athlete, as a tight end who's also like six foot four. He's a big dude, and he's going to be more of a finesse guy, um, like kind of like Grant Calcaterra, but with a little more athleticism. I don't want to get too overzealous here, but you might even say Kellen Winslow Jr. I like that. Very athletic, very uh, wide receiver, but tight endy. Like it's, it's I mean, 
He can do Hopefully better between the years. Yeah. I mean, Kellen Winslow Jr. was still he was great. an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Most people wish that he was his dad. Do you remember that? Do you remember that whole like drama thing that when he had the block against Tennessee and called himself a soldier? He did, and they said they were gonna they they were gunning for him. And then, but even in high school, he wanted to commit to Washington, and his dad explicitly told him no that he'd be signing in Miami. <laughs> did you hear about that? No, I didn't. Yeah, he went to sign with the Huskies, and I think New Heisel was it New Heisel. New Heisel would have been there during his would have been there. Yeah. And he like told his dad he was committing to Washington, and uh, his dad, Cullen a Senior, of course, who's also a very great athlete, told him straight up, "No, you're going to be signing to Miami." So, wonder how much money they paid him. Um, but anyways, we before we go to break, a uh, couple things after it, we're going to talk about Jamar Kane, the new outside linebackers guy that's going to replace Ruffy McNeil. A little bit of basketball stuff. And some other things, talking about the NF- the XFL, excuse me, not the NFL, and some more start one, bench one, and cut one, and maybe a little bit of Bachelor. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But check you guys after the break. All right, Jack. So the last time we talked on the podcast, we pretty much knew who was going to be the guy in offense. Um, it was pretty clear as far as who was going to be the new assistant, and that was it was just pretty much a foregone conclusion. But... Now we talk about defense, and we're like, well, yeah, maybe Kuligowski because he has a massive connection to Grinch, and he was at Missouri and Alabama and Miami, and then just I, randomly before— I feel like they did way, way better with Jamar Kane here. Yeah, I think, I think, I think, it, it yeah. checks every single box. I think I think it does, too. It's a too. phenomenal hire for a position coach. Like, I was about to get on the airplane on the way to Vegas on Thursday— and then all of a sudden it says, oh, OU's hired the new outside linebackers coach, Jamar Kane. I was like, wait, what? Hold up. And saw that, you know, he's from Arizona State. Herm Edwards, who had to put together a hell of a staff um, off the grid, has a lot of connections to California, uh, you know, North Dakota State connections, uh, Fresno connections. A lot he's of worked things. under some elite coaches. Oh, yes. I mean, Kleiman at North Dakota State, Jeff Tedford Klein, at Fresno State, Klein and Herm Kansas Edwards. State, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But climb in that North Dakota State when they're winning national titles yeah. every year. But he's worked under a hell of a lot of coaches. And he got Arizona State into recruiting rooms in California that they haven't previously been under, similar to DeMarco Murray did at Arizona. Uh, so Oklahoma goes to Arizona, the state of Arizona, for both their new coaches, both young coaches. And, um, you know, first of all, Oklahoma, they're, they're getting a coach that will actually go out and recruit. Because Ruffin, he... He was not on the recruiting trail. I mean, he, he was, was past his prime on that. Yeah, he was past front. his prime on that. He was Papa Bear. He would hug guys. He would tell guys how much he loved them and appreciated them, and then he would coach them while they were there. But he wasn't a visit guy. He was a guy that that you would you would talk. You would show to mom when they got to campus. But that was it. Uh, Jamar Kane is going to be on the road. We're actively recruiting, maybe reestablishing that very prominent Fresno, you know, pipeline back to OU. Who knows? And, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think it's a home run. I think it's a fantastic hire. And it it's it's becoming that Oklahoma, like, Kale Gundy's, what, is Kale Gundy the oldest coach on the staff? As far as assistants are concerned, he's up there. It's he and Biedenboe. That's right, yeah. Up in their 40s. And then Dennis Simmons, he's 47. Okay, that's right, yeah. And it's just like, but it's so one he's of the— close, but— It is one of the youngest staffs in the country. Yeah. Like, Grinch— 
Riley, they're in their 30s still. Jamar Cain's in his 30s. Jamarco Murray, 30s. And then, of course, I think I think Dennis Simmons is the oldest one. I think you're right. Well, he, well I think he's slightly younger than Kale Gundy and okay. Bow. I think Bow and Kale are around 48, and I think Dennis Simmons is 47. But, so, Jamar Cain, and then you look at, you know, Junior Day just happened nothing long ago. And you have, you know, Blackshire, and Blackshire, like, and Cain was there, but... Instead of you know posing for pictures with Calvin Thibodeau, you have Blackshire posing with Demarco Murray. What's that say about this that with the staff that he wants a picture of Demarco Murray and that's who he's posting pictures with instead of the position coach? I think maybe they're going a little more regional with their approach here instead. Partially, I mean, Kane is brought in not just to recruit outside linebackers and also help with defensive linemen. By the way, yeah. He's there to provide that connection for California as well. Yeah. And you're going to have a little bit of that with DeMarco Murray, too, and you would think. A lot of these kids from Dallas and in Texas. Of I mean, course. These... Grew up admiring DeMarco Murray. Yes. And they, they grew up, like you say. De- <laughs> They'd be dumb and... not to utilize that with people outside of the running back position. In Dallas Cowboys' heyday, it was you know, DeMarco Murray as far as like their most recent success. With Tony Romo and elite offense, where they actually had a really good quarterback, uh, or just actually had a good quarterback in general. Um, I, <laughs> You're I, not a Dak fan. I think Dak is below average. Yeah, I think so. He too. reminds me of Jalen Hurts, but just a little bit better of a passer. Um, but I mean, people want to take pictures with Demarco Murray. People are going to want to take pictures with Jamar Kane. These are young guys that will coach you up, and it's not it's not Tim Kish. It's not. Uh, Bobby Jack Wright. It's you know, it's it's not you know Jay Bowler. It's not these older guys that are maybe past their prime and in recruiting and as well as their popularity and youthfulness. These are young guys that can relate to these players that honestly might listen to similar music to them and guys that will coach you really hard because that's the main thing that Lincoln Riley was addressing to the team and addressing to his staff after like immediately after the Chick Fil A uh, Peach Bowl, he was. He was very, very active around the coaching offices and being like, if you're not in this 100%, you're going to go. And basically, they, they're, they're, you'll see the benefits being reaped um, in the fall because they got guys that are hungry. They got guys that want to win. They got guys that are, that are very, very dedicated to coaching very hard and recruiting very hard. And you know what? Guys like, guys like Jay Bowler weren't about that, weren't about it. Guys like Ruffin McNeil, who's just a holdover, fantastic guy, really great human being. But he's not a coach that's going to push you over the edge to be really successful in the college football playoff. And now that you've got a Jamar Kane, who's going to help, who's going to be Jack Backer, linebacker, outside linebacker, slash Calvin Thibodeau in that room, now that he's coaching and recruiting on the road actively, that's big time. Um, so being one of the youngest staffs in the country, being relatable to players, and also coaching the hell out of those players is gonna be fantastic for this uh, for this team for this staff. Um, it's exciting, uh, but really in, the interesting thing is usually people wait for coaching staff hires just so people can bitch about it. Of course, but that really there's not much to bitch about with the these case two hires. With Demarco Murray, I know some people are like, "Oh, well, it's Demarco Murray. They're just doing what's familiar," but like Demarco Murray's not familiar with any of the coaching staffs at OU he's familiar he's a familiar player of course but he he un, like 
What ties are there left to Kevin Sumlin to OU? Kale? Pretty much it, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Just like he, he left the guy who he had the connection with. Exactly. I mean, and you look at Jamar Kane, no ties whatsoever. And so, because I remember when remember Calvin Thibodeau was hired and people, they just bitched about it. Like, oh, looks like Bob's hiring some of his golf buddies. And it turns out he's a pretty decent recruiter. Yeah. And people aren't giving him a chance. Like, he hasn't even spent that long on campus. And he's getting you all these guys that are just now coming to fruition. Jalen Redmond, hello. Ronnie Perkins. Like, well, like, come on. Like, you're getting more and more guys. And, of course, some guys, they were disappointments like Tyree Slot, who had a lot of potential. Jordan Kelly, you're going to get to see what he can do. So there's a lot of things to go. Um, but yeah, just, just a lot of good things available, a lot of good things to happen with this young staff. It's something to be excited about. Um, let's talk about basketball, which is not something to be have to been excited about lately. It depends on the week. Yeah, like they're, they're so inconsistent. That's a it, They were fun to watch in Bedlam. I mean, OSU's awful, but yep. it was still fun. They looked like a good team. Christian Doolittle bugs the crap out of me. See, he, it, it's because wild because so he, good. he was the most consistent player until like two weeks ago. And now it's been just like he's been living up to his last name. You know, he makes the small plays, he makes the assists, he makes the rebounds, but he's just like that cotton shot from the mid range game is not falling for him. And he can do so much more than that, but he's just comfortable in taking a, a walk up mid range jumper. And it's like, dude, get to the basket, get fouled, do something more than your mid range game. And then. You have Austin Reeves, who never turns down a shot whatsoever. Ever. And he dribbles the air out of the ball. And it, it, I, it, maybe this is a testament to Lon's offense. I don't know what it is. But it, it's Lon just letting players play, and sometimes that goes that. too far. It's like, run somebody off a damn screen. Like If you're going to let Austin Reeves dribble that much, run him off a screen and get him free a little bit instead of him just like dribbling pulling back out and dribbling inside again. Run him off a screen with Brady Manic, pick and pop or something with Christian Doolittle and Manic. You have two guys that can do that. I am encouraged that Manic continues to play confidently. He, he, he has a stretch of confidence now. It, like the last two years it's been like two or three games where he'd be great and then three or four games where he couldn't hit a shot. Yeah. He's he's playing really well. He's, he's actually stringing something together at this point. And he was one of the big reasons why they were in the game against Texas Tech because he would hit clutch shot for yeah. clutch shot from the corner and just in general. And, uh, you know, you just if the team somehow becomes consistent because the biggest issue that they're battling is consistency, then they'll be good. But They play good defense. They really do. Bringing in Jim Molinari has been huge for that. Like They're much tougher on the defensive end and much more assignment sound on the defensive end. So, is, I it mean, a, is it a tournament team? As of now, is it a tournament team? They're on the bubble. I, I mean, agree. See, and the thing is, like, the last two years, they were a team that down the stretch did not deserve to play in the NCAA tournament. I agree. But it really wasn't that close on Selection Sunday. Like, last year, was they were a nine seed. They were comfortably in. After losing to West Virginia in the first round of the Big 12 tournament, then the year before, everyone's talking about them as a bubble team that doesn't deserve to actually oh, be God. in. I was, and then they're a 10 seed. They're not even really on the bubble. I was so ready for that season to end with Trey Young. It was a miserable season. Okay, It was frustrating. It, it was fun at the beginning, and then towards the end, I just wanted to be put out of my misery and just kept on going. It, I mean, the Trey Young show was great, but you knew that once it was, once chaos was introduced to the picture, that it just wasn't going to be pretty. Yeah, and it wasn't. So as of now, their next game is against West Virginia, which is a 
statement game that they if could they put can on win resume. that, then I mean that's going to be huge for their net rating. I mean West Virginia is like eighth in net, yeah. So that'd be enormous. And you know, Press Virginia, they're gonna they have a lot of players that can play really well in OU. At the same time, West Virginia, they're prone to suffering the mind-boggling upset. They got yep. destroyed by Kansas State in Manhattan. Yep. And Kansas State's not good. And OU still lost to them. Still lost to them. Well, that, OU's not allowed to win in Manhattan, though. And then OU has mind. a game at home against Iowa State. So if they can win these next two, I mean... That would put them at 6-5 and five in Big 12 play. Granted, they, they're going up against a really tough stretch after that. Back-to-back uh, at Allen Fieldhouse and then home against Baylor. Yeah. If, which, they, if they can just finish, like... At 500, or maybe even a little under 500. In the I, I don't play. know if under 500 this year is going to get it done, just because they're not going to benefit as much from a strength of schedule. They're off their non-conference strength of schedule. They weren't able to pick up enough mm-hmm. marquee wins there, and then the Big 12's respect isn't quite as high this year as it has yeah, been in years past. So they're not really going to get the benefit of the yeah, doubt there. Makes sense. Makes but sense. I could see them being an actual bubble team this yeah. year. Someone who maybe even plays in Dayton this year. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, other things, though. Parnell Motley, uh, they went and had a fantastic year after being properly coached. Uh, then goes to one of the All-Americans. We're all pretty proud of P-Mock yeah, this oh, year. Yeah, and he's, he's been fantastic. He was someone who, going into fall camp, he was in a battle with Jordan Parker yep. for one of the spots and then ended up kind of barely winning it and then you know really seizing the opportunity after 100%. he did. And he, ends up, he played really well in the Senior Bowl. Great. And he gets snubbed from the NFL Combine. Another chip for his shoulder, what? I guess. And he he and I mean he's going to have OU it. pro day to yeah. impress too. So. But it's just like, come on, man. So like, and is it is this an NFL thing or what, what is this? I think a lot of it's the perception of Oklahoma's oh, defense yeah, that has that has a little bit to do with it. Granted, I mean Kenneth Murray has athleticism that can't be ignored, yeah. so he's going to be invited. And, but and Neville Gallimore. A, yeah, Neville Gallimore, who too. also shined at the Senior Bowl. Of course, yeah. Neville Gallimore is someone, and Kenneth Murray, those guys are going to probably put up some numbers at the Combine. <laughs> I just remember seeing everything about Neville Gallimore. This man can't be blocked in one-on-one situations. Like, well, would have been nice to see that for the first few years when they were two gapping. Yeah. Instead of one gapping, because early, if you remember... Uh, when Oklahoma was one gapping and people were, weren't double teaming him, he was getting into the backfield several times. Then people started double teaming him, and that opened up Ronnie Perkins and everything else. And it was it was just a lot of fun. And he was very very effective at forty three snaps a game instead of sixty three snaps at a game. So, I mean, really good stuff from him. And then of course another snub for a Sooner, former Sooner. Damien, former Sooner Damian Williams. I feel like I should say that several Robbed. times. And I, I'm, I'm a Chiefs fan. I love Patrick Mahomes, but Damian Williams should have been the MVP. He scored the touchdowns. Yeah. Pat Mahomes was running for his life half the game. And he, and he, and he scored, like, didn't he score the go-ahead? He was clutch. I mean, he and really was. He, but. And then he scored the basically the dagger. The dagger, yeah. He got had the go-ahead touchdown and then the dagger. How is this How's this guy? And picked up some huge first downs throughout the game. Yeah. How is this man not the MVP? He should be. I think, I think it was decided that if the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, that it was going to be Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, but at the same time, after the game... Weird, weird Twitter debacle. See, I wasn't even on Twitter when this was happening. I was just having fun. But Stra- in, in, after the game, too, it's just like a weird Twitter debacle over Damian Williams isn't an isn't OU, even though he's he's always claimed OU. He, see, here's the thing: if he claims OU and OU claims him, 
Who gives a shit about yeah. anything else? So I feel like it, that's just it. And, then, and no one argues this about Tyron Matthew. Yeah, nobody does. He dealt with the exact same thing. He was kicked off the team for too many failed drug tests, yep. allegedly. Yeah. And no one even raises an eyebrow when people credit him with going to LSU. Same for Tyreek. Exactly. And, well, Tyreek's different because he went to another college Yeah. after that, but... I mean, Damian Williams didn't go to another school, so he OU is always going to be the school that yeah. he claims. And he broke the team rules. And I remember when he did and he got kicked off, Kenny Stills was pissed, Brennan Clay was pissed. TJ, Tony, yeah, Tony, uh, Jefferson, Tony was Jefferson was pissed. Was pissed. He, Tony Jefferson tweeted about it. Yeah, he did. And I remember Kenny Stills tweeting about it too. And then um, after the season was over, Bob Stoops worked with them and got him back Got. Damian Williams back to pro day so he could do stuff with it. He just like, man, you, you done goof too many times on the team rules. Like you can't be above the team rules just despite how good you are. And he and, was uh, very good. He was and, just in the doghouse throughout his senior year. Yeah, and even like on yesterday's celebration or whatever the celebration was in Kansas City, he said City, Boomer sooner. He said Boomer sooner. He talked about you know Oklahoma, and that was after the police chase and on the <laughs> on the. Uh, Thankfully, no one right? got hurt. Yeah. But yeah, Damian Williams. What do you think of Travis Kelsey? His little sp- he was trying to one up his brother, and he did not succeed at all. I think Travis Kelsey is hilarious. Oh, he is hilarious. He's just he just he tried way too hard with that. I, I did love the belt. That was great, but yeah. it was not as good as his brother being a court jester. I think all the memes about uh, is it Nick Bosa or Joey Bosa? Which one, which Bosa plays for the Niners? Uh, Nick Bosa. But, Joey Bosa's with the Chargers. That's right. I all the memes about uh, Nick Bosa are just fantastic. But Travis Kelsey, I mean, I, it's fantastic. He's just hilarious. I mean, he's an American treasure. He had his own dating show at one point. Did he? Yeah, he did. Wow, Lord. Uh, what are your thoughts on the halftime show for the Super Bowl? I thought it was neat. <laughs> well, there are some people that were very upset. Oh, of course, Karen is upset. Brenda is upset. What about the children? Fuck off. I don't care. <laughs> it wasn't... It was very... It wasn't even that risque. It's just pearl clutching. That's all it is. Yeah, I mean... like It wasn't bad at all. You have Shakira and... It was basically just one of their music videos. Yeah, and... That was it. What was like... I mean, it was entertaining. Yeah. But they like, did well, I thought. To me, it was like... I forgot... Jennifer Lopez had some songs, and I remembered Shakira's famous songs, and I was just like, wait, what's, what is J-Lo going to sing, or what is J-Lo going to do? And I think they brought Jennifer Lopez's daughter on stage yeah. to sing a little bit, which is actually pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. And then you had basically the two like Latina queens uh, dancing their butts off, literally. Uh, and then just like having a lot of fun. I don't know. It was it was a good halftime show. Like, people, that was one of the better halftime shows. People complain about it this year and didn't say a lot about Adam Levine last year. Just basically getting almost naked on stage and showing all his tattoos. So that was confusing to me. I was like double standard. Yeah, like, I was like, what? Like so, Adam Levine could take a shirt off and basically you know wear whatever he wants. But like these women who are not showing anything, just some skin and like. Everything else is covered up, and there are tights around their body, like a tight suit. But, like, these women are, you know, being held to another standard because they're shaking their butt and dancing. It was PG-13 at worst. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't like 
Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. No, that, yeah, that was too far. Well, <laughs> not, I, don't, I don't think anyone's going to debate that. But, uh, man, there's actually football this weekend. The XFL the on XFL, Saturday. XFL, baby. Are you, are you going to watch that? Probably not. You don't think so? No, I'm, I'm busy all day Saturday, and I'm working on Sunday. So, no. No XFL. There was a... Uh... There was an article that came out. I'm, I'm not above watching the XFL. I'm just not going to be able to make time for it. There's an article that came out at Landry Jones. I did not know after he got dumped basically from the Steelers that he worked at construction for a bit. Yeah. Like He's got a, the mustache for it. Life is life is rough, man. You work in construction, right? As soon as like... You can make good money working well, construction, I, I, I but it's not the same. Make, yeah. yeah. And not, just, as, not as uh, glamorous. You go from football to... I mean, like... Working not for that the, glamour really suited Landry Jones yeah, at any point. Working for the Steelers and then being a construction worker, that sounds about right anyways. There you go. But, I mean, it's just really... I just never thought. Like You, you don't think about like what happens to these athletes after they're done playing football. So I, I read the story. I was like, holy crap, this guy actually like legit played... He, he played football at its highest level and then he ended up working in construction so like he had to be like one of the most famous or you know popular construction workers where he, wherever he was at probably so. since the one from uh the village people probably the most famous <laughs> construction worker since then there were mike balligan was he in construction he was in construction when he, he did some semi-pro he, football he some semi-pro football and then did ou and then florida whistle blue ou while having he got screwed while having murderers on their team yes Irvin Meyer <laughs> or, or murderers and enablers on that team yes that's pretty odd and if you haven't watched the Aaron and Hernandez, a racist in Riley Cooper yeah yeah oh yeah that, there's a lot of things on that team yeah if you have not Toxic. watched that Aaron Hernandez docu docu series oh you're missing out it's so good and weird but very good. Have you watched it? I watched the first episode. I haven't watched the oh, second man. and third yet. Two and three get even better. It's stupid crazy. But uh, I think it's time for some start one, bench one, cut one. Ooh. Uh, last week we this had... This got heated last week. Last week we had wide receivers. I have to stick up for Ryan Broyles at every opportunity. He's yeah. a very nice guy. We had Shep... And people sleep on him historically. We had Shep, Broyles, and Clayton. And then this week we're going to do some running backs. And I left off Adrian Peterson, of course, because... I mean, he's probably one of the most dynamic and best yeah, running Yeah, kind of how ever. we left off uh, C.D. Lamb C. D. last Lamb, week. Yeah. So we've got three again. DeMarco Murray, who is now coach, Coach DeMarco Murray, Joe Mixon, and Rodney Anderson. Start one, bench one, and cut one. We talked last week and many other weeks about how C.D. Lamb is the most complete wide receiver in OU yep. history from a skill set perspective. That is Joe Mixon at the running back position so? for Oklahoma. I think he's the most complete running back OU's ever had. Yeah. I don't think that's much of a stretch. And so I would start Joe Mixon. Okay. Bench. It depends on which DeMarco Murray we're talking about. Are we talking about 2007 DeMarco Murray when he had Reggie Bush speed? Or are we talking about 2010 DeMarco Murray who bulked up as a business decision I'm talking and ended about up paying off? DeMarco Murray. But it wasn't quite as fast. I'm talking about the DeMarco Murray that we were promised in college football before the injuries. Okay, so let's say like 2008 DeMarco Murray. Okay. Before getting hurt. Yeah, yeah, I, I, he'd be number two on the list. I'd bench him instead of cut. And Rodney Anderson, if he's at full strength, he's, you know, a big part of OU lore. Yeah. If he doesn't get hurt so often. But 
He killed in the Rose Bowl. He, 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 oh, yeah, he did. But he, you know, didn't have quite the same wiggle as a DeMarco Murray. Yeah, he's a one-cut guy. Yeah, he and he, he was a very good receiver. It's not like he wasn't a complete player. I mean, he was great in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Great in pass protection. Yeah. He did everything very well. Just not quite as well as Joe Mixon. Right. Not quite as well as DeMarco Murray. So, I guess by default... Cut. cut Rodney Anderson. I'm sorry, Rodney. <clears throat> I think it's interesting. I loved Rodney Anderson. He was great. I would start DeMarco Murray. Okay. I think he's the original Joe Mixon. I think he's a dynamic athlete. Uh, you could place him anywhere on the field. He was an all-purpose back. You could be your wide receiver. He could take all the screens. They would they would take him on screens and bubble screens, and he was like the original guy that they would do that with. And he'd scamper up the field just for an easy 50 yards. See, I don't think DeMarco had the running instincts of Joe Mixon. You don't think That's so? That's the thing. Yeah, I, I do feel that way. Interesting. I, mean, it's, it's, I think it's fair. I think that Joe Mixon was more physically uh, imposing on his opponents. Uh-huh. I just think DeMarco Murray, with everything that he could do in the game, after, like, he was supposed to be the next great back after Adrian Peterson. Uh-huh. And in different facets of the game he was that back but he was going to be the guy who was pulled out of red shirt in 06 when peterson got hurt but he didn't because he had turf toe so it was chris brown instead and i just think with the talent that we're aware of with the talent that i saw i would give demarco murray the nod at starting one because i just i just really like his skill set especially um you know what he initially had before he got hurt and then demarco murray when he bulked up that was, I mean, that he was fantastic then too. It's a little bit different. I mean, if they had him during that 2008 national title game, they win. Yeah. Um, of no course, question. I'm going to bench Joe Mixon, and um, that's no like disrespect to him. I, I think he's very similar to Demarco Murray, especially in in many ways in the passing game and the running game. I think Joe Mixon had had a little more patience than Demarco Murray, uh, but thinking about Demarco Murray, like as far as Reggie Bush, if you I was like, like they, like Pete Carroll said, and like in that Trojan War, uh, thirty for thirty. If you see a speeding bullet, you're not going to tell it to slow down. Kind of like Demarco Murray. I think Demarco Murray had a ton of speed. And I just, I keep on remembering that play where he leaps over one of his offensive linemen in the Red River Shootout or whatever you want to call it, and just houses it. And it's just like that. that was one of that. That was one of the most aesthetically pleasing plays to watch. And Demarco in showed, DeMarco just showed up in big games. Just, just him creating. Dis- I think it was Cedric Griffin. Yeah, who he created separation from down the stretch, and then him running into the OU end zone, and then high stepping into the OU end zone. Oh, love it. Everything about that. It was just. Incredible. I just think of the big games about it it's too. A beautiful play. Is that Demarco Murray showed up in the big games in like specifically Texas and Joe Mixon? This man tried to give the ball away several times in the Texas games in the big games. I mean, he had a hell of a he had a hell of a Sugar Bowl against Auburn, and that was the last time we were gonna, that we saw him. And that you know we that were like, run against OSU in sixteen. Oh, to God. kind of seal it to kill the game. Oh, man. That was unbelievable. That was one of the best runs in OU history. But just, I mean, in Texas, when Texas was Texas, not like what they are today, and just DeMarco Murray's ability to show up at big-time games, 
uh, make big time plays and big time moments. I think was just Demarco Murray there. never had to share carries with the Samaje P Ryan. Though that's true, he shared with Chris Brown. Was Chris Brown it. was all right. He he did share with Alan Patrick when he was a freshman. Alan then, Patrick was I liked Alan Patrick, but he yeah, was Alan not. Pa- Alan Patrick ran angry. He wasn't a P Ryan, but, but Demarco Murray shared carries with not only Chris Brown, but with also Moses Madu. That's true. And, we have to sh- give shout out to Moses Madu. And then like in two of these backs ended up in the NFL, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and um you know, Joe Mixon's just sharing it with Samaje, which is a totally different skill set. Samaje but, was someone who was gonna eat up a ton of carries though. Yeah, I agree. He was gonna get, you know, twenty, twenty five carries in a game. That wasn't the case for Moses Madu. No disrespect to right, Moses Madu. So I will all bench Joe Mixon, and I'll cut Rodney Anderson. And I've been very vocal on this, and people have always either agreed or super disagreed with this. Um, I always felt like Joe Mixon and DeMarco Murray were a tier ahead of Rodney Anderson. That the top tier of Oklahoma running backs, as dynamic athletes, you can throw Joe Mixon, DeMarco Murray, and Adrian Peterson, who's not a dynamic athlete per se, but one hell of a running back, if that makes sense at all. I mean, Adrian is stiff as hell, but that's the kind of running, that's not the yeah. type of running back. He's still in the NFL. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's, he's doing people, all right. People weren't looking for the Joe But no, he was not a complete running back. He, he wasn't a complete running back in the NFL either. Like, Reggie Bush was an anomaly at the time. Yeah. And now that's all people want. Is Reggie Demarco Bush, Murray was kind of next. Joe Mixon, Demarco Murray. That's what they that those guys for the next breed of running backs of Alvin Kamara, who's also successful in the NFL, and like Adrian Peterson. I was like an old soul in the NFL, and so I look at you know Adrian Peterson, Demarco Murray, Joe Mixon, and I wouldn't even put Samaje Piran maybe in that first tier because he was good at one thing. Keeping his really, really just keeping his legs moving as being a total battering ram, um, and he wasn't a dy- dynamic athlete. He was just a guy that was going to rack up yards and basically kill you while you tried to tackle him. And uh, but I would put him in the same tier with Rodney Anderson, who is a great athlete, good at catching the ball, um, powerful, powerful guy, powerful legs, fast, straight line speed. Um, but not, not the wiggle of Murray, not the wiggle, not the long athlete that you would want. Um, is he a dynamic playmaker? Yes. Is he a dynamic athlete like Etienne from Clemson? Not so much. Is he a Joe Mixon? No, he's not. And I just want to imagine if Bob Stoops, because we all know, yep, Joe Mixon went to the draft and went to the Bengals, but I don't think that was his choice. I think it was like a very Switzer boss situation where he was like, you're going to leave. Because they had all the apology yeah, and everything course. else, I, I think Joe Mixon, if given the chance, in some things behind the scenes, like he, some might say he even told his teammates he wanted to come back. Uh, if you see a Joe Mixon with Baker Mayfield that next year with the Rodney Anderson and the Rose Bowl, Oklahoma oh, wins it all. They win it all, and Oklahoma wins it all anyways. If they they had a defense any, but but if you add a Joe or if Mixon, they don't take the ball out of. Baker Mayfield's yeah. hands down the stretch in that game. So I mean, there were a lot of things that went into that. There was, but I, I just think there the squib kick. I that think, too. I think Rodney Anderson is a level below those guys, but I mean it's not, not like, far. He's not far. Really, but, not far at all. But I, I just think he's not there with them. Um, but what about you? Had one uh, a start one, bench one, cut one, but you know in candy bar form, we've got Snickers, 
Twix and uh, Kit Kats. And since you went first last time, this past time I'll go first. Give me a start. Give me Kit Kats. Love Kit Kats. Um, bench one, Snickers. It's fantastic. There's a lot going into that one. And cut one Twix, even though I really like Twix too. But I will always 100% eat Kit Kats. And I will always feel pretty fondly about Snickers. I love Twix, but not as much as the Kit Kats and Snickers. I am going to start Snickers because it's a more dynamic candy bar. <laughs> Got peanuts in there. It's a tier ahead. <laughs> it's a, it's tier one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's more of it's Snickers. It's like actual sustenance. Yeah, it makes almost, sense because you got the protein there. And like with you know Twix and Kit Kat, like there's there's like legitimate like there's a texture involved. There's like a lot more into every bite. Yeah, of course. I I love Twix and I love Kit Kats. I think I'm gonna bench Kit Kats and cut Twix. And I love Twix. About the same here. They both have the wafer in there, which I like. They do. It's it's the consistency in the texture of it, which I really like. But uh, I hear you got you've been watching The Bachelor. How's that? How's that been treating you? Uh, it's been fine. I'd like to. I've been asked if I would go back on my comment last week saying that Victoria Victoria F was my favorite contestant. Um, yes, I will go back on that. She's awful. She's <laughs> another. Week. She's as dramatic as anyone else there. Women and that's on The Bachelor being dramatic. It, yeah. Exactly. Wow. And by all accounts, outside of the show, is just an awful person. Because, I mean, there are so many, like, blogs and stuff dedicated to this. Who do I like now? The answer is no one. <laughs> no one. They're all awful. Sounds, yeah, that sounds about right. They're horrible. But I bet The Bachelor... Tammy is the biggest enemy right now. I bet The Bachelor thinks they're all fantastic. The Bachelor? Yeah, the guy. Did you see on SNL J.J. Uh, <laughs> Watt playing him? Yes. It was funny. It was great. That was very spot on. He he's. I don't think there's anything there between the years. Granted, he is a pilot, which does require intelligence. It does. This, uh, it, it's a very it, it, uh, yeah, very particular set of skills. Very high stress situation. Yeah. People think that you're just putting it on autopilot, and that's the case for a lot of. Yeah the trip but when you have to land the damn thing yeah the beginning and the end are yeah that, that's stressful <laughs> it's really stressful especially, the beginning and the end is where bad things happen especially when it's icy and it's snowing yeah or there's a storm of course yeah oh gosh man like <laughs> when i when i came back home monday the plane they got on the runway and they're like oh wait hold on we need to take this thing back to the uh we need to take this thing back to the terminal to have some sort of computer hooked up to it because there's something up. But they said they're I don't know, they said something that was not as serious. Um, but like, it makes you wonder like what the heck was wrong with the plane? And I know people that like they sat on the runway for 45 minutes waiting just to get gas. And like, gosh, like landing the airplane, my first time being in an airplane, I think I remember thinking, oh well, yeah, we're just gonna land smoothly. I wasn't aware that laying an airplane is very difficult. Yeah, and very. like sometimes it like feels like a crash landing. Yeah, it's like a big bump and a. Couple I mean, yeah, bumps. I've been on planes that had rough landings. I mean, it's it's weird. Like sometimes you'll be on a plane and you'll 
sort of hit the ground hard and it'll come back up a little yep, bit. Yep. That's pretty terrifying. And I've had some But you know that landings. you have a great pilot yeah. who has, you know, obviously trained for a long time for this. You have to in order to be a commercial pilot. Yeah, I've had some. They're good. They know what they're doing. Fantastic landings where I didn't even feel like I was wait. I was bracing myself for impact and nothing really even happened. Yeah. But yeah, but. I hate the landings where you're like the airport's like next to a river. Yeah. Or an ocean. Oh, and you have to like go over yeah. the ocean? And like you're, you know in your head, logically, hey, runway's about to come. Yeah. But when you're looking out the window and ah! you can't see ahead of you, it, it fools your brain into looking like you're going to land on the water. Yeah. That I feel kind of terrifying. I feel similar to like when I visit my sister in California over the summers of going over like the Rockies, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh god, like I'm about to, we're about to run to a freaking mountain. Yeah, like that's terrifying to me. Like the water doesn't bug me any, anymore because I'm like, well, like if there's any relatively safe place to crash, I suppose so. Maybe the water. What was that movie with Tom Hanks? <clears throat> Captain Phillips? No. Nope, wrong Different one. one. And he was in the water in that I did, one. I did see that movie. Uh, oh, it was the one with the guy that was the famous pilot. Yeah. He got like a medal. Sully. Sully, yeah. Yeah, that one. Sully, I remember right. when that happened. Yeah, I that did was, too. That was pretty crazy. Gosh. And then Sully came out and was like, pay pilots more because a lot of them are in debt. That would be the worst river to land in, though, the Hudson River. Hudson, yeah, it's it just was. dead bodies everywhere you know. I mean, ugh. ugh. You but, have to yeah. think about that. I always thought about, like, well, if we crash in the water, I'm like, at least it's in the water, and they have all those boats in life bus, so we're relatively okay. Uh, but, man, do you have any plans for this weekend? I mean, it's Friday tomorrow. Friday or, tomorrow. Or it's Friday today, depending on when you're listening to it. Friday, nothing concrete yet. Saturday, going to be watching OU West Virginia, and then after that, doing stuff in Film Row. You've been to Film Row before yeah. in Oklahoma City? Yeah, Lots fantastic. of cool bars and restaurants there gonna be doing pre-dinner drinks and then mm-hmm. dinner and then post-dinner drinks yeah. it's gonna be fun i'm gonna I watch, enjoy it down there i'm gonna watch ou west virginia and hope for a win and then i'm gonna watch some xfl just to see what it's like how many games are there i think there's only two okay but because it be it's it's eight teams right and yeah. two are playing two games saturday two games sunday i think so I that makes sense when do the when does dallas play do they play on sunday uh i don't even know yeah. i just know i'm watching I just know I'm watching those games. Or I'm, I'll tune in that first day because remember the the AAF and that was just like god awful. But the first games had a very high rating. Yeah, they did. Um, so I think this time Vince McMahon and whoever else is running the show, they're much more set up for success this time around than they were last time. Of they course. actually had their crap figured out, and um, I'm I'm excited to see what happens. And uh, of course, there's a lot of Sooners in the Dallas Renegades, so it'll be intriguing to watch them with Frank Alexander and Landry Jones and Dimitri, Dimitri, and the, no Ryan Broyles, no Ryan Broyles, but Jeff Bidette's somewhere. Yeah, uh, Jalen Saunders is somewhere. Jeff Bidette's with Dallas, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it'll be exciting to watch just to see you know what these old guys are up to, and uh, you know I'm sure it'll get more popular if, if it is legitimate. You know, but because like people are talking about, oh, I this hope is- Chad Ochocinco ends up signing oh, with the gosh. team. That's that's the rumor. It's just like this is the downtime for football, and then the XFL, maybe as a kicker, the XFL reportedly. during the Super Bowl has been like, well, guess what? There's Super Bowl. There's there's football next week, and it's like, oh, thank God, there's something. But like the AAF said that, and then they ran out of money after week three. So I'm getting entirely too invested in the NBA right now, though. Dude, with the Thunder trade deadline season. We all had a lot of expectation that the Thunder might do something, you, especially they can, see, during the, last night's the game. Big, the big thing is going to be the summer. 
And yeah, because nothing happened today. Yeah. And Adrian Wojnarowski even said to today that you know, okay, see in Miami, you're still working on a three team deal with Memphis, and then after the deadline was over, he said like he only team that he said this about was like yeah, Oklahoma City's not making any deals because. There have been lots of rumors and lots of things they yeah, could do. Yeah, ever since the Paul George trade. I mean, it's been speculated that the Thunder were going to deal a bunch of people. And so now you'll go and look at draft night and see what that looks like. And then Sam Amick even came out, or Sam Amick or Amick, whatever it is, came out and said Danilo Gallinari actually likes, really likes playing for the Thunder. And so he's probably going to sign a trade, which will hard cap the Thunder. But, I mean, the Thunder salary situation won't be very dire next year, so they're not too worried about that. Turns out Billy Donovan's a very good coach. Turns out when... For all intents and purposes, this run, is his yeah. first season as the head coach when he, of the when Thunder. When he's able to run his system, yeah, of course. He, he's a good coach. And, and Russell Westbrook isn't the de facto and, and coach. And think about like how many injuries and how many guys have had in and out of the lineup, and they still have been in Gallinari resting on back-to-backs. It seems like, yeah, it never seems like it matters. And they're still turning out wins in the 31-20, and 20, and they're tied for six. Actually, they're because they have a better conference record. They're actually just sixth yeah. over the Mavs, and they're a game and a half, two games out of the four, out of the four seed. It's just like what the hell. And this team is still fully intact, and they're actually healthy for the first and time. And based on what you're looking at leading up to the All Star break, the four games remaining, they can absolutely win all four of these games yep. and be 35 and 20 at the break. Unbelievable. And the a lot of a lot of odds makers had them at 30 and a half, 31 and a half, 32 games. And Oklahoma's about to eclipse that with it, another 30 games to go. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, they actually they legitimately look like a team that can do damage in the playoffs. Yeah, if per, per, partially because of how well they close games. Yeah. If they go to seventh seed, which I think they will end up at the seventh seed, that it'll, it'll be tough to top Dallas. Yeah, I agree with that. But I think that would be a Once nightmare Lucas, for the yeah with, with a healthy Luca. Yeah, that's for the Clippers. Uh, I think OKC could give them some hell, even win I maybe one could. or two games. I think they, I think they could take that to six games. And if they are the, or if they end up as the sixth seed and they play the Nuggets or they play the Utah, oh god, if it's six three versus Utah again, I think OKC could legitimately just win that series flat yeah. out. So I mean, it's gonna be fun. Can't wait. Do uh, you have anything else? I think I'm good. All right, guys, so go ahead and follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com. Uh, there's daily links posted for you guys every day. A lot of other things coming out. Alan's always writing things. Just a lot of things always coming out on the site. Usually it's like, what, two to three things, or at least two things dropping every day, seems like. That's how it seems like for me anyways, because I get the notifications on my watch even though I'm not signed in to the thing on my phone. It's weird. I don't know. It's strange. That would probably get annoying. <laughs> it's not too bad. Uh, but uh, yeah, just follow, follow Jack at CC Machine or J. Larry Shields. I'm at Camerobby and CCM. Uh, follow Alan Kenny, who just dropped a pod at Blade Homerism, Homerism. And again, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Google Play. Give us a five-star review. Makes this easier to find. We really appreciate it. And we'll check you guys later.